Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. You have to draw a line in the sand. You have to build some boundaries. Maybe I'm not the right one for it. Uh, I'm to a point where I don't want to try anymore. You are hurting yourself. This is something we see regularly. What is someone in your life fighting for? And how can you be there for them? What attracts one person to another person? It's actually a pretty complicated question, though it somewhat sounds simple. And yet the research on it is almost boundless. All the world, people are trying to figure that out. For example, they look in the big pictures like what generally attracts a, a man to a woman and a woman to a man. And then it becomes more specific, like what makes you more attractive? And if you know how to do that, then how do you use that? Well, over the years, after having read thousands and thousands of those pages, I finally figured out there's a way to simplify that. We can actually bring it down into an acronym where we can summarize all kinds of research being done all over the world about what attracts one person to another. Now, why is that important to know? Well, if you're single, you know it's important to know if you want a relationship with another person because you're thinking, uh, what will attract somebody to me? What do I do to become more attractive? I mean, obviously that's part of the situation about how people develop a relationship, right? Right. Or if you're married, you might be thinking, maybe the spark's gone out over the years. I mean, how do we become more passionate toward each other? And does attraction play a role in that? Actually, it does. And if you're having marriage difficulties, then you might be thinking, I think my spouse may be attracted to somebody other than me, or maybe you know for a fact. And you're thinking, how can I become more attractive so somehow I can compete with that other person? Well, it's not really about competition. It's about something different. But you definitely, through the system we're going to be teaching you in this program, can become more attractive. And if you want to think about it in terms of competition, well, you can actually win. And if you're thinking, but you don't know me, well, I don't, but I can teach you the principles. And if you apply those principles, you'll become more attracted than you've ever been. I'm Dr. Joe Beam. Kimberly Holmes, our CEO, is here. And we're going to do this live session of Marriage Helper Live. I guess that's what we call it, right? Mm -hmm. Marriage Helper Live? Yeah, that's what we call it. <laughs> that is. So I don't know that I would ever go to Google and necessarily type in how to become more attractive. But me as a woman, I would type in, how do I become fitter? Um, you know, a few years ago, there was definitely a movement towards skinny. Women wanted to be very skinny. Now it's more towards, I want to be more fit. I want to be more toned. How can I look that way? Those are the things that at least as a woman, I, I think about, I'm looking for. How can I, um, ultimately underneath, I'm thinking, how can I be more attractive? And even in my marriage, it's how can I can, how can we continue to keep the romance up? How can we continue to be attractive to each other so that we aren't becoming attracted to other people? So it's definitely something that, that is there. 
It's important to people that are single, people that are yeah. married, people who are married but their marriage is in trouble, mm -hmm. people in any kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. But just as you would have done by typing that into Google, most people think it all has to do with the physical. Mm -hmm. But Absolutely. it's much more in depth than that. It absolutely is. That's one of the fascinating things I can't wait for us to talk about um, as we as we dive into really, first of all, what why is attraction important? Let's start okay. there. Attraction is what draws two people together. Mm -hmm. I mean, if there is absolutely no attraction toward you in any shape, fashion or form, then nothing pulls us toward each other, as you might understand. And, and maybe even you have had a relationship somewhere along in life where somebody felt romantic feelings toward you, but you did not reciprocate. And if they were to ask you about it, or even if you just thought about it, you're thinking, but I don't think about you in that way. What that means is you might be attracted to their friendship, but you are not attracted to them beyond that. Mm -hmm. If you're definitely going to develop a relationship, then attraction is part of what pulls you together, but it's not just what happens initially. It actually occurs throughout the relationship you want to continue to be attracted to each other. Now, uh, over the years, the intensity of it can vary and change because various things will change in relationships. But attraction not only pulls you together, but it's part of what keeps you together over the years. And particularly, let's say you're married and you want to have a great sex life, for example. If you become physically unattracted to each other, that's going to decrease your sex life. Oh, but it's not just if you become physically unattracted to each other. If you become attractive, unattractive to each other in other ways, it will still diminish your sex life. So what are the ways? We'll talk about those and what's it important through life. We'll talk about that too, but it's equally, equally applicable as we already said to singles, marrieds, married people in trouble, other kind of relationships that are romantic, maybe you're dating but not married yet, all those things, attraction remains important. Mm, absolutely. So where do you want to start? Well, I want to say that it's not superficial. Mm. What I mean by that, you're thinking, oh, it's just about looks and that's so superficial because looks change. Mm -hmm. If the attraction were just about looks, then I could understand why you would think it's superficial because you're thinking they're not looking at the other things. And if that's what you mean by superficial, I agree. But if you're saying that, that the way you look, the way you take care of your body, all those kinds of things is never important, I would disagree. It's a part of that complex thing called attraction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that physical is where we start because it's what, it's what we see. It's that first thing you notice about someone else before you can really get into the other parts of attraction. If the relationship starts by seeing each other. Right. Now, in, in the day of the internet, mm -hmm. you may develop a relationship without ever having seen each other, mm -hmm. and, but physical still plays a role. But you're right. In face-to-face -face encounters, it's the first thing that happens, and that's why we typically talk about it first. Mm-hmm. All right. So that physical attraction um, is, again, like you said, it's not that superficial thing, but it's that first thing we see, and it is important. It's not the most important, but it is important to keep up, to keep doing, to keep going throughout your whole entire life. Now, when you say it's not the most important, mm -hmm. we've got to clarify that. What does that mean, it's not the most important? 
it's not the most important, in my opinion, uh, it is not the no. most important aspect of the four parts of attraction. Uh, in your opinion. So that's just that. With each individual, things can change and actually change over time. Mm -hmm. Where this was more important to me at one point, now this is more important to me at this point. So we're not trying to make a judgment about what should or should not be important to you. I can tell you, uh, based on the surveys I've done and the people with whom I've interacted, which one that most people say is the most important and it's not physical, mm -hmm. but we're not trying to say that um, it's not important to you because it may be. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's time to give the acronym so we yeah. can start talking about those things. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. You go for it. So the acronym we use to describe these four areas of attraction is PIES. I almost went to the store and just had huge pies sitting here <laughs> on the desk, but it kind of goes against the purpose of what this whole thing is about. But pies, P-I-E-S. And the reason we use that acronym is because it perfectly spells the four areas of attraction. The first one being P for physical, I for intellectual, E for emotional, and S for spiritual. So again, those four areas of attraction are physical, intellectual, emotional and spiritual. And if you're like me and you're hearing this for the first time, you might be thinking, how in the world are those, is the intellect and the emotional and the spiritual, how is that a level of attraction? What does that even mean? Okay. So let's first give sort of the big picture, if you will. And, and by the way, if you think we're going to be religious in this because we said spiritual, understand that religion's important well, it's important to me and important to many people, but that's not what we're talking about in pies. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about religion when we talk about spiritual. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what are we saying? Okay, another way you could use this instead of the P-I-E-S, which we use, you could say body, mind, heart, and soul, if you will. And you might be thinking, well, why didn't you say that? Well, it doesn't spell anything. So we use pies because it spells something in each of your members. All right, so as Kimberly already said, physical has to do with what physically attracts me to you or you to me. And we're going to get into that. We'll talk about it first because it's the P of the pies. And then intellectual is maybe not what you think it is. We'll get to that and emotional and spiritual. So where would you like to start with the P? And yeah, what let's about start the with P the... would you like to say? <laughs> so starting with that physical thing, we've said that, or at least in my opinion, there is a lot in the world, there's a lot of emphasis put on this physical part of attraction. A lot of um, judgment that we can feel comes with us. We feel like we need to look amazing in order to be loved a lot of times. Um, I like that what you were starting to begin with, we feel like we have to compete with other women or with other men or whatever to gain the attention, really, of the person that we have our eyes after. And that's something that never really fades as long, even when you've been married for 20 years, you're still wanting to gain that attention from the person. So a lot of times we focus on the pies or the P, the physical, and that's kind of where we stay. Kind of. Um, when I teach in, on the university level, I teach in the psychology department of a, of a university as adjunct professor. Every semester I'll ask my students, uh, how many of you young ladies ever feel that you compare, at least in your brain, yourself to other women and come out second best? And what percentage of the hands do you think go up? All of them. 100%. Mm -hmm. Because we live in a culture where that's what we've created. Mm -hmm. And typically they're thinking physically. Mm -hmm. Now, if you were to rate people on a scale of one to 10, I don't know if there is any such thing as a perfect 10 physically. I really don't. Mm 
But let's say that, that you're a young lady, for example, and you can be a guy, and you're watching this and you're thinking, but in my mind, I rate myself a five or six. And, and, and the people I feel a competition with, I would rate a nine or a 10. They'll always be more attractive than I. That would be if you just looked at the physical, they, by the way, they will not always be more attractive than you, but at least right now you would say, hmm, I can see they're more attractive. Physical is important and it does stay important for a lifetime. But when you start scoring these, we'd give a score like to the P and then a score to the I and the E and the S. We'd give a score to all four of those. So let's say the potential top score is 40. If you had a 10, 10, 10, and 10, that would be 40. So don't just think you're going to have a score of whatever the physical is. That's how attractive I am. There's actually going to be a combination of these things. And even if you were a five or a six on the physical scale, but you were pretty high on the others, you actually become much more attractive than a person that was a nine on the physical scale, but not very high on the others. Mm. So very quickly, what typically draws one person to another, physically speaking? If you're speaking in terms of gender, I'll run through a couple of things really quick because it's, I'm not here really to talk about that so much. Uh, but we know, for example, if, if you start asking men what physical attribute of a woman you tend to notice first. Well, you can imagine the answers you get. They're going to talk about things like breast size. They're going to talk about facial features. They're going to be talking about eyes, hair, the way she dresses, the way she acts. Some will talk about her derriere. But it's basically a package. And what they're saying is, I find this person physically attractive because of blank. Let me summarize what's really going on back here that we're not really conscious of when we're looking at another person to see if he or she is physically attractive. I mean, you can look at the research that says that people whose faces are, are um, what's the word I'm looking for? When, when they're more symmetrical, symmetrical, mm -hmm. <laughs> you have started with an S and I completely lost that word <laughs> there that if, if their faces are more symmetrical, people tend to rate them as being more attractive. Believe it or not, I actually read some research that found that chickens find humans with symmetrical faces more attractive. Your government dollars at work <laughs> for a study like that. But we can talk about that, but it really boils down to this. What we're attracted to, and I'm talking about guys now, I'll get to the gals in a minute. Physically speaking, are signs of health and fertility. So for example, Clean, shiny hair probably indicates health, whereas dull, brittle hair may indicate sickness. Clear eyes, health, uh, eyes that are not, maybe sickness, clean, straight teeth, etc. You see all these things, complexion, all that stuff. And so what men typically are looking for, whether they realize it or not, is he healthy and could she make a good baby? Now again, that's not happening up here. It's happening back here in this part of the brain. Therefore, in worldwide research, if they show frontal silhouettes of women to men, therefore no facial features, um, not the breast size, that becomes less important in the silhouette, of course. And, and they say, which of these silhouettes do you find more physically attractive? The one that's going to win, it won't be 100%, but the one that'll win by far is a waist to hip ratio of 70 to 80%. That means that the woman's uh, uh, hips are about well, I'm sorry, her waist is about 7 to 80% the size of her hips. Some, some cultures, the hips are larger. Some cultures, the hips are more narrow, but the same ratio, wherever they are, tends to be the more attractive. Why? It's the ideal proportion for childbearing. And so men tend to notice women for signs of health and fertility, the ability to have their babies. 
Therefore, a woman who's taking care of her body becomes more attractive than a woman who completely lets her body go because she, she not only appears healthier, she probably will be. And, and therefore the hygiene, the cleanliness, all those kinds of things, the way she takes care of herself. Now, the secondary part of that is if she's demonstrating some characteristics that are not as common in the gene pool. Therefore, hair that's truly blonde um, makes her a little rarer or truly redheaded makes her a little more, uh, a little narrower in the realm of that many people available with that characteristic. Green eyes, blue eyes, a little narrower. And so we tend to notice those that are not the most common genetic characteristics, but it still has to do with procreation. So that's what typically attracts us to another person, signs of health and fertility. Okay. The second thing from, from women toward men it's the similar thing, but a little different in the, sin, in, the, in the sense, I should say, not a sin, I hope, but in the <laughs> sense that they're looking for signs of dominance. I don't mean like these guys are going to rule me. Women don't like that. But in the sense of, is this guy strong? Therefore, taller men tend to be considered more physically attractive. Uh, men with broad shoulders, flat stomachs tend to be considered more physically attractive. So if you get the picture, physical says, be the best you can be physically, be in the best health you can be. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, wait a minute, I'm 55 years old, I'm past having children, and you just said men tend to be drawn by that. Yes, they do. Does that mean that men are not gonna be drawn to me? No, it doesn't mean that. We'll explain that in a few minutes. But it does explain why if you're 55 years old and you've got a 65-year-old husband, he still notices the 25-year-old woman in the mall. It's not that he's necessarily a dirty old man. He's just hardwired to think in terms of procreation. That's why he'll see her when she walks by. Now, I'm not saying he should lust and watch after her and things like that. I don't mean that. But that's why he'll see her. It's hardwired. But it still remain, remains important if you're 55, even if you're past the ability to have children, that you still say perfectly, perfectly is the wrong word, as healthy as you can and in as good a shape as you possibly can at your age and situation in life because that's still part of what's hardwired into him. Even if you no longer are capable of having children, it's still what's hardwired into him. And so men and women tend to notice physically people who take care of themselves, understanding that that will vary with age. At 65, you're not going to look exactly the same as you did at 25. Your skin's going to change. Uh, your metabolism is going to change. We're not saying you have to be the eternal youth. That's not the picture I'm painting. I'm just saying that whatever your situation in life is, whatever your age is, that you take care of your body as best you can in that situation and that age, and that makes you continue to be physically attractive. Now, again, if you're thinking, but I'm a five or I'm a four, whatever, I can't compete with those other people. Physical is just one piece of the four, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Just one piece. One of the four, so 25% if you want to look at it that way. The other ones we'll go into. So the next one is intellectual attraction. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Basically, it's like this. Uh, you know this. Uh, Kimberly's an attractive young woman. Uh, I remember when she was in college and all the different boyfriends that she had. One after another. Oh, so another. many. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> but you probably. That was Joanna. That was my sister. Yeah, her sister Joanna actually did have more boyfriends. <laughs> But if you think about it, uh, there were probably some people, some guys that when you saw them, you thought they were cute, which is part of the physical attraction. Mm -hmm. And you thought, well, I'd like to get to know him better. And even after the first conversation, you thought, oh, good grief. 
this guy's got a head full of rocks, right? Right. <laughs> okay. People might be physically attractive, but once you get to know them a little bit, the other parts, the numbers fall dramatically, mm-hmm. like intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. And you think, well, there's, like, there's a nice house, but nobody's living in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So intellectual attraction basically is based on this. We typically want relationships with people that we can understand mm-hmm. and that we feel can understand us. Therefore, we tend to be drawn toward people of the same ethnicity, people of a similar age group, mm-hmm. uh, people of similar religions, uh, people of even of similar socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, like you kind of grew up similarly, um, et cetera, et cetera. And the reason we tend to be drawn toward that is because it's like when we talk, I want us to have enough in common with each other that I think that you're understanding what I'm saying and that I'm understanding what you're saying. You, if you've been to any other country at all and had a conversation with somebody, even if that person spoke English, sometimes you still had trouble understanding each other because your backgrounds were so different. Even if you're using the same words, it's just like we, we go through different lenses here. We're framing this differently. And so the intellectual attraction says, hmm, you are stimulating to me. I, I get you, you get me. We have enough similarity, we can understand each other, but when we communicate with each other, it's like there's real intelligence there. Mm. That I like the way you think. I like the way you process. I like the questions that you ask. And if we have similar interests, now not all of them have to be similar, but let's say you're both really interested in astronomy, for example, just to pick something out of the air. Then if you can both talk about that, like, whoa, that's really fascinating to me then that person becomes even more intellectually attractive because it's like we can communicate about things that other people wouldn't understand what we're talking about because they don't have our backgrounds. They don't have our knowledge. They've not studied it like that. For example, I watched you and your husband, Rob. Uh, Rob was in the army, a Mm -hmm. captain when he got out of the army. And I watched you guys play war games. Hmm, like risk? Like risk. You have these board games and you play mm-hmm. these board games, which is all about strategy, which mm-hmm. is really intriguing to him. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got a high IQ. You're very intelligent. But, but the fact that you also can understand strategy actually makes you more intellectual attractive to him because intellectually, that's part of what interests him. And if he becomes interested in the things that you're intellectually interested in, so it's having a lot of similarity but it's having enough similarity, particularly in areas of interest, that you can really communicate with each other on a level that other people can't. Now, if you have some hobby or some level of education that the population in and of itself doesn't normally have, then you know that you typically don't talk about it much in front of other people, right? It's Mm -hmm. because they don't really grasp all of it. And when you do find a person that knows about that kind of thing, where you can exchange ideas and really get into it, you really find that person more attractive. Now that applies to friendship, obviously, but it also applies to the the man-woman attraction. Mm -hmm. And so um, the old black and white movies from back in the 30s and 40s with the ditzy blonde and everybody found the ditzy blonde attractive, well, she might be physically attractive. She might even be emotionally attractive, but typically you didn't see her as intellectually attractive because it was like, oh, therefore we got the dumb blonde jokes. I am not saying that blondes are dumb. I'm saying that that's the kind of thing those movies created mm-hmm. was the dumb blonde jokes. Well, in this day and time, if you want to be attractive, be the brilliant blonde. 
Mm-hmm. Keep your mind learning. Keep growing. Now, you don't have to become a physicist. Right. That's not what I'm saying. But it's like, what's going to attract us when we can talk about something of common interest? Mm. And both of us have enough understanding. We can really communicate and keep learning about that. Mm-hmm. So when when you have a couple and one of them is very interested in, for the example you gave, strategy, um, a lot of things like that. So if my husband was interested in that, but I had no interest in learning that, so I decided to go this way and learn something completely different. I can't even think of a good example. But I start learning about this, he starts wanting to do more about that, and it continues. I mean, this could work against you where one person follows their interest, I follow my interest because, hey, I'm not interested in that, why should I care? So it actually could start pulling us away, which then decreases the intellectual attraction we have to each other. intellectual attraction, that's correct. If you have nothing in common to really talk about and understand, other Mm -hmm. than just the normal things of life, like food and children, it could be food if you're both, you know, uh, the kind of people that are kind of into the gourmet stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're right. Having intellectual disinterest, Mm -hmm. where that you don't have really anything that you would feel, quote, important, end quote, to talk about, then yeah, it actually could lead you apart. Now, you might be thinking, okay, well, what if then um, I'm single? What should I learn about? Well, right now, whatever is important to you. <laughs> you don't, don't think, oh, I think that guy's cute. What is he interested in? Let me go learn all about it. That's not necessarily the way to go about it. If you're single, learn about what's interesting to you now. And hopefully what happens is as you start being attracted to people and they are attracted to you, it's those people of similar interests. Mm-hmm. But you say, what if I'm a spouse and, and uh, my husband and I are growing apart? Then a couple of things. One is if you know that your husband, for example, is really interested in something that's just really important to him, learn some about it. Mm. You don't have to become as much uh, as knowledgeable about it as he is, but learn something about it. But at the same time, you should ask him to learn about some of the things that are interesting to you. Now, if you can find something that combines the two. Yeah. Okay. Now, this probably is not the best illustration, but let's say the guy is in the strategy, and let's say she really likes competition and really in the games. So this is me. Okay, that's you. <laughs> so what do you do? Well, you can play risk, mm-hmm. but what if she's saying that's too much like war, that doesn't really fascinate me. Well, then you go to chess, which is also a game of strategy. Mm-hmm. So therefore it intrigues him, mm-hmm. but it also intrigues her, and they both start learning more about chess. And so you look for the things Either I need to learn something about what's really important to you, not necessarily everything important to you, but what's really important to you, I need to learn something about it. What's really important to me, you need to learn something about it. And if we can find that thing in between, it actually increases our intellectual attraction. Mm -hmm. And if your husband's pulling away from you or your wife's pulling away from you, uh, then if you really want to do the things that would help lead him or her back, then it definitely becomes important. I need to start learning more about. So if the conversation takes place where he starts talking about astronomy, that that when he says that, I'll say, oh yeah, I saw the other night that blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if about astronomy to even put an illustration there, but I saw something about that the other night and the husband goes, you noticed that? Oh yeah. And uh, the reason I found that was intriguing was because blah, 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 blah. And then you're actually having conversations even when he had stopped talking to you before. It kind of because you start talking about what's important to him, he sees a different new level of knowledge, not just him, her. You understand I'm not being sexist here. 
and, and that actually can be part of stimulating the conversations mm -hmm. that you're not having now, not manipulating, but just learning more about what's important to him or to her. And when it's an opportune time to bring it up where it doesn't feel manipulative, you just mention that. Yeah. And then, wow, you started a conversation you didn't have before. Yeah. And even using that as an opportunity of, hey, I want to learn more about this if it's astronomy, then you don't have to know all of it before entering into that conversation. Using it as a tool of, hey, I was reading more about this and I don't completely understand what I'm reading. Can you help me? And putting your spouse or the person you're dating or whoever it is in that position to help you and to teach you. Typically when people are excited about a topic, they love teaching other people about it. Yes, they do, typically. Mm -hmm. And think about the difference of if, uh, if you've been sitting next to your wife and your wife's the big football fan and you're not. And while she's watching the football game, you're reading the book. Think about how much you begin to change your relationship if you start watching the football game and go, oh, wait a minute, the ref missed that call. What call? Did you not see? Because now you know more about mm -hmm. the game. You say, this is just kowtowing to the other person. No, it's not. It's about really blending two people in a relationship. We want to have at least some areas where we can intellectually interact with each other and be simulated. Mm -hmm. That's what we're talking about. No, it's not manipulation. It's actually consideration. Mm -hmm. Okay. Absolutely. And this is one of those areas that people, especially with this intellectual part of it, it can really start going into compromising, into figuring out how to take one person's interest and another person's interest and blend them. But if you can't blend them, then should you give up some time that you're spending in your own and go and spend some time with your husband while he's doing his, while he does the same for you? And a lot of times that can bring huge fights for couples because they're saying, well, I just want my husband to go dancing with me, for example, or the husband saying, well, I just want my wife to go hunting with me and neither of you will budge because you want your spouse to do the thing with you before you'll do the thing with them. And it can cause frustration. It can lead to bigger problems. There's communication issues that play into that. And that is a perfect time for you to maybe look into getting some marriage coaching. Hey, we want to figure out how to spend more time together. We are letting life take us apart with our jobs, with kids, with stress, whatever it is, and we need to figure out a way to come back together. One of our coaches, Jim Porto, has a quick message for you that we're gonna show you right now, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about the other two areas of attraction, the emotional and the spiritual attraction. Watch this quick message with Jim. The other day I was speaking to a client and one of the things she said to me was this, Jim, have we traveled too far to go back? The answer I'm gonna give you may surprise you. I said, yes, you have, because what we're offering you today is not a going back to what life used to be, but rather a rebuilding of something that maybe you can't even imagine. My name is Jim Porto, and I'm a coach here at Marriage Helper. One of the things that we do as coaching is help you build a vision for your future of the relationship you're in. A lot of times when we go through trouble and situations and we have bad habits, we want to make it work. But we don't want to just put like it was a patch on something new. We want to help you create something new, something that's vibrant, help you create expectations that are powerful. What I'm telling you today is that if you call one of our coaches, they can help you walk through an area, not so you go back to what things used to be, but rather 
you step ahead into the vision, the hope, and the power that you can have in a relationship that has respect, that has love, that has care. Give us a call here at Marriage Helper. Help us show you how to step into a new relationship today with your spouse. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jim. Our coaching that Jim does and that we have other coaches do is so helpful to people. They are really able to figure out the core problems that they're dealing with, learn how to talk to each other again, spend more time together and increase how much they love each other, how much they want to be together. It's awesome. Awesome. So if you are interested in anything with coaching or with any of our workshops, then you can always contact us. You can call us at 866-903-0990 or visit our website at marriagehelper.com for more information about that. And you don't have to do it just as a couple. Sometimes it's an individual, like things are not going very well with my husband or with my wife. Can you help me in, in that? And so it Couples can do it or an individual can do it. Yeah. And honestly, one of the first things that our coaches in the first call that they'll get into with you is this, is what we're teaching you about the pies. And they'll really hit on the intellectual part and the emotional part and give you specific feedback on how you need to hone in on those two and in specific ways to do that to help you with the situation you're facing right now. And it's huge, huge, huge for people. Speaking of emotional attraction, <laughs> what in the world does it mean to be emotionally attractive? Okay. We've talked about physical attraction and that's kind of easy to understand. Then we talked about intellectual attraction, which most people should grasp, but they don't necessarily. But typically when we talk about it, the lights start going off. Oh, I can see intellectual attraction. We want to be able to communicate, understand each other on levels that matter to us. Emotional attraction basically says this. If you're going to be emotionally attractive, it means that you do things, say things, etc., that evoke positive emotions in the other person. Because uh, whenever you do that, whenever you do things, just the fact that you smile, for example, can make you more emotionally attractive in many situations. But whatever you're doing, like paying real attention, I've met a few people in my lifetime that really were gifted at this. And they were very famous people that uh, the 35 seconds I had to talk to them because they were surrounded by people, they led you to feel that you were the only person on the planet, the only person that mattered. And they did it because they they looked in your eyes and, and they listened carefully and they smiled and their, their emotions were right in tune with what you were saying. So you think, wow, this person really cares about me. So it's whatever you do, say, et cetera, that evokes positive emotions in the other person. Now, when you do that, you become more attractive. That's what actors do on the stage, singers do on the stage. They may not quite always be so good at it in real life, but that's what they do up there that makes people so attractive. Think about it, and I'm not gonna get off into entertainment, but there's a tremendous number of outstanding singers in America. Why not all of them celebrities? Well, it's not just the fact that you can sing really well, it's how are you gonna evoke emotions within your audience? Now think about that in terms of a relationship. It's like, well, what am I doing that's evoking positive emotions? What am I doing that's evoking negative emotions? We'll come to that in just a couple of minutes, but like, like these pies have positives. In other words, they draw people to you. The pies also have negatives. 
which means that if you do these things in the wrong way, they actually push people away from you. Well, we'll get to that in a couple of minutes. But right now, understand emotional attraction. Think about the people that you want to be around with, the people you want to be there. It's the people that make you, make is the wrong word, what they do evokes within you emotions that you really like to feel. So if they do things that lead you to feel handsome or pretty, they're more attractive. If they lead you to feel safe, you feel more attractive, uh, more attracted to them, actually more attractive yourself. If they feel you, uh, if they lead you to laugh, you find them more attractive if you enjoy laughing. So evoking positive emotions within the other person, that's what emotional attraction is all about. Mm. It's probably easier to grasp at first, at least, when you start thinking about when people do things that make you feel bad about yourself. So I had a friend and a couple of years ago, she was in the dating circuit and um, she had been dating this one guy in the summer for, and they had been dating for about six months by the time summer came around. So they started going to the pool. And once they started going to the pool together, her boyfriend said to her, you know, you would look a whole lot better in that swimsuit if you lost about 10 pounds. Not evoking emotions in her that she enjoyed feeling. <laughs> I mean, in uh, the very basic place. But if you think about, you hear that story and you think, oh my gosh, why would someone say something like that? But then think about your life mm -hmm. and how many times you say things. If you're married, you perhaps say things to your spouse because you've been together 10, 20, 30 years and you're just so comfortable with each other that you say things like, you know, you really should wear something different today. That doesn't look great. Or that meal that you cooked just wasn't the best. You should do it differently next time. Or I can't believe you spent that much at the grocery store. That was me this morning with my husband when he bought 16 pounds of grapefruit. But, <laughs> but we get so comfortable in that relationship that our filter kind of comes off and we can come across as being disrespectful, as making the other person feel bad because we want them to do it our way. We want them to do it different. And therefore, they start feeling like they have to meet this list of criteria to be loved. And this one is so crucial. So for example, in the surveys that I've done, yeah. uh, when I ask people of these four things, which was the one, which is the one that's most important to you in your relationship, emotional wins by a mile. Now, if people have as the most important that the physical, then uh, typically they're not looking for a longer term relationship. For example, if you go look at people who are in bars trying to pick up people to take home, by far the only thing that matters to them is physical attraction. What do you look like? Mm -hmm. But people that are actually wanting relationships, even though the physical is important, it does not become unimportant, it's important. By far the most important to them is the emotional. What you do that evokes a positive emotion within me. So let's go back to our pies. We're not even to the spiritual yet. So let's say that you were just a five on the P, the physical because people tend to rate themselves lower than they really are. Mm -hmm. Unless they're egotists, then they rate themselves higher than they really are. But let's say that you rate yourself a five. You're probably higher than that, but let's just say that you rate yourself. And here's the, your competition, if you will, who is a nine by your estimation. So she's, wow, twice, almost twice as attractive, or he's almost twice as attractive as I am. But intellectually, nothing much in common with, with the the person that you're wanting to attract. So there, let's just say this where they're the five and you're the nine. Well, now you're becoming equally attractive. Well, let's get to the emotional, which is really crucial to long-term relationships. Mm -hmm. And let's say you're the eight and she's or he's the three. Now you're actually, because the other two things are balancing each other out. If you're scoring all the way across the board there, 
you become more attractive. Mm -hmm. And you've seen this. You have seen people together in relationships that physically don't look like they go together. You look at them and think, they just don't look like they go together. I mean, she's stunningly gorgeous, he's just average. Or he is unbelievably handsome, she's just average. How did they get together? Because we instinctively think that people are gonna wind up with people who are close to them physically. Because it happens a lot. Well then how did that happen? Well, the other parts of the pies kicked in. That person's evoking such amazing emotions mm -hmm. within that person. I like being with you. And, and the physical, important, yeah, but not nearly as important as how I feel when I'm around you. Mm -hmm. So ask yourself this question in any relationship. It's kind of hard to stop and do it every time, but if we could, before I do this, I wonder uh, how he, she, might react emotionally to what I'm about to do. Oh, before I say this, hmm, I wonder how he or she might react emotionally to what I'm about to say. I admit, I don't do it, but if I could, <laughs> if I did, if anybody did, and typically I think those people that are very famous people that when you do meet them, they make you feel like the most, they lead you to feel like the most important person on the planet, I'll guarantee you they've trained themselves to think Whatever I do, whatever I say, how is it going to affect this other person? Mm -hmm. And that's how they operate. Now, if you do that in a relationship, you become amazingly more attractive. Mm -hmm. You won't do it perfectly. Nobody does. But that's what makes people attractive. And it avoids that opposite of being disrespectful, of doing the things that evoke emotions they don't enjoy feeling. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I know every time I've asked myself that question, how is this going to affect? And let's just say... Um, well, I'll start this way. Every time I've asked myself that question and I've thought, you know what, it's going to be good and I've done it, great things have happened. But when I'm angry and I say, <laughs> yeah. you know, I really want to say this, how might this affect them? And then I think to myself, I override that thought in my mind where I know deep inside I shouldn't say this, but I think I have a right to, he needs to know how I feel, he needs to know how to change, and I say it anyway, nothing good has ever come from that. Not once, not ever. Pushes the other person away. Absolutely. Or even a, a little change to that where it's like, oh, I think he's going to react badly, but that's the that's what I want to have happen. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I want him to react <laughs> badly to this because of the fact that he just needs to hurt like I hurt or she needs to hurt like I hurt. Now, you can do that if you wish. It's your choice. I mean, it's your life. You can do whatever you want to do. But that pushes people away from you. It certainly doesn't attract people to you. Now, let's just kind of summarize that already. In all of these, can you see the positives, the mm -hmm. neutrals, and the negatives? For example, um, two people that get married may have been very physically strongly attracted to each other at the outset. Mm -hmm. That over time kind of devolves to neutral. As a matter of fact, most of the people with whom you'll interact in the world, you'll see as physically neutral. Most people. But then it can devolve into physically negative. Like, wow, he or she used to take care of his or her body, but they don't anymore. They used to dress you know, at least acceptably, but they don't anymore. They used to take baths. We really hear this one, but they don't anymore. And so there actually can be a negative where that I'm actually repulsed from you because you don't take care of yourself. Well, the same thing can happen intellectually. We used to have all these great things to talk about and we interacted with each other and there was a great strong intellectual attraction, but one of us kept growing and learning and the other one didn't. And so that kind of devolves to neutral. We don't have much to talk about anymore. And then it gets down into negative territory because it's something really important to me. And when I try to talk to you about it, you're like, leave me alone about that. I don't care about that at all. And intellectually, 
you become unattractive. And then emotionally, and we see this whenever any marriage gets in trouble, you've always seen this when a marriage is in trouble. You were at one point when you fell in love and got married, you were evoking positive emotions within each other. The things I did evoked positive emotions out of her. The things she did evoked positive emotions out of me. That over a while can devolve to neutral. It's what Kimberly was talking about when she said people have been living together for a while, begin to just take things for granted. It can devolve into neutral where you're not really evoking any emotions within the other person at all. But then if you start doing those things that do evoke negative emotions in the other person, like being disrespectful, demonstrating anger, saying tacky, crazy things to the other person, uh, all those kinds of things. If you get on the negatives, you're actually pushing the other person away from you. So what do you do? Well, if you want to be attractive, stop the negatives and move back toward the positives. Now there are people right now watching this thinking, I wish I could, but he or she's gone. They're not even around anymore. I wish I could. Well, it's not too late to start doing the positives. Mm -hmm. Now there's actually a way that potentially can bring that person back to you, but that's not what we're talking about in this program. You go to our website, marriagehelper.com, or you go to the other ones of these uh, Marriage Helper lives we've done. We talk about those things there. It's just not here. Or you call us and talk to one of our client reps or line up uh, sessions with one of our coaches. And we can actually show you how to use the pies even when you seem to have no interaction with the other person at all and how it may still possibly bring the other person back. But the key is this, no matter what, if you're single, married and seeming to do well, married and in trouble, move to the positives now, no matter what. Physically, start taking care of yourself because it's the most important thing you can do for you, but it also is good for the relationship. Intellectually, start growing, learning and growing. Don't let your mind vegetate. Emotionally, with anybody and everybody you're around, train yourself to do those things, say those things that evoke positive emotions with other people. It's the best thing you can do for you. And it certainly can help your relationship. If you're single, it makes you a lot more attractive. It really does. If you're married, it makes your marriage better. You say, well, it's okay now. It'll make it better. If you're married and in trouble, it's the thing you're gonna have to do if you have any chance of putting this marriage back together. Now, we still not got to talk about the spiritual, but Am I making sense with I'm talking about the positives, neutrals, and negatives? I think it makes perfect sense. So why don't you say it again succinctly because I took too long to say it. <laughs> so basically what we're saying is there are these scales where we can do things in the physical area, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, that, that people are attracted to. That it does, if you think of attraction like a magnet, then it is going to magnetize people closer to you. They Good. want to be around you because of it. Mm -hmm. But if you start doing things, if you stop really doing the things that continue to make you attractive and bring that person closer to you, then the pull of that magnet isn't going to be as strong over time to where eventually it actually could you, you, I remember when I was in grade school and one of my favorite things to do was pull those magnets around to where the opposing ends were towards each other because you can never make them touch. They just keep pushing each other away. And that's ultimately what we're talking about. You can start to repel the other person to where no matter what you try to do, they are just so 
repelled at this point that it seems like nothing you can do will bring them back. And so what you want to do is turn your magnet around. You want to get it to where you start attracting that person, magnetizing them back towards you, but you don't just do it for that reason. You do it first of all, because it's the best thing you can do for you. If people are out of sync in their pies, if it's, uh, you know, if you were to look at someone's body scan, if they're, um, if they're going through a lot of stress or, or whatever and they get their blood taken, you might see that their electrolytes and their hormones and all of these imbalances are off and it's going to change the way that they feel about themselves. Well, it's the same about the pies. If your pies are off kilter, if you're not focusing on yourself and getting in your, yourself in shape physically, and if you're not continuing to read and grow intellectually, and if you're not focusing on being that safe emotional place for the people in your life, and if you're not growing spiritually, then you're not going to feel awesome. You're going to react quicker to anger and to other emotions that go on in your life. And you're just going to not be the healthiest person overall that you can be. So you do the pies first for you. And the secondary benefit to that is that the relationships in your life will strengthen as well. So you get healthy first for you. And then it makes your other relationships in your life healthy as a benefit. Hmm, Outstanding. Very good. Someone asked a question. They said, so a lot of these things I can do alone. Physically, I can go to the gym alone. I can read a book by myself. I can attend church, which we haven't gotten into the spiritual part yet, but we will. But the emotional part of it, how do I do that as an individual? You do it with everybody and anybody with whom you come in contact. That's how you start learning how to do it and do it mm. better. It's like, okay, so if, if he or she's not here, if I don't, so let's say you're single and say, there's not a significant other right now, so I can't practice that with him or her. Mm-hmm. Practice it with everybody. Or if you're saying I'm married, but I'm in trouble, my spouse is now living someplace else, I can't practice it with him or her because they're not here. Learn it, develop it, make it habitual, make it part of who and what you are Mm -hmm. by practicing it with anybody. If you're checking out at the grocery store, do it with the the lady that's helping you put your stuff together. I mean, practice it toward everybody. Mm -hmm. Here's what I tell single people. You want to know how somebody's going to treat you emotionally over time? Watch how they treat waitstaff. If if you have a male waiter, female waiter, whatever, watch how they treat the waitstaff. If they're being kind and polite to them, that's who they are. If they're being rude and crude to them, but trying to be nice to you, they're faking you out. Mm. It has to do with how you deal with everybody. Mm-hmm. So that's how you deal with it. That's how you develop it. That's how you increase it. Then when that significant other finally is there for you single people, or, or when you finally have some interaction with your husband or wife, then you don't even have to stop to think about it so much because you have made it part of who and what you are. Mm-hmm. You know, perhaps... Another hard relate, so it can be difficult to implement this with your spouse because that familiarity is there. Mm-hmm. The next relationship that I believe this would be hardest to implement with, but needs to be, is with children, yep. parents to kids, because it can be so easy, especially in this emotional part of it, to yell at your kids, get angry at your kids, and not focus on building that emotional yeah. stability there. How different would it be if you just stop and ask yourself, how is the kid going to react emotionally to mm-hmm. what I'm about to say? Because if it's like, what he's going to do is get mad and yell and scream back at me, then what have I accomplished? Mm-hmm. And so maybe then there's a different way to approach this, mm-hmm. a different way to say it. 
you say, well, I need to teach my kid to obey. I'm, I'm with you. I think kids should be taught to obey. I really believe that. But you can either do it like this, or you can find out how do I interact with this kid based on his or her emotions. And, and you're right. I think it's crucial when it comes to kids. Mm-hmm. And if we can back up even one more step, think about this intellectual thing. Uh, sometimes we hear people say, my spouse is just not talkative. He or she, typically it's a he here, just doesn't talk to me very much. Well, if you become intellectually interesting to whatever is really important to him, mm-hmm. then he will. Mm-hmm. Because now you have something else to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, these things are applied in so many ways across mm-hmm. the board. They really do. But you're right. They are also applicable to kids. And if you teach kids this. Huge. Huge mm-hmm. difference. Then they have an easier and better life because so much of life is about relationships. And this is all about relationships. And the kids that do this, if you train them up this way, here's how you can be physically attractive, intellectually attractive, emotionally, spiritually, and that you do it all for you, mm-hmm. but it really affects the way that other people interact with you. You're not doing it to manipulate other people. This is for you to become the best you you can be. But because it is relational, it affects relationships with everybody. These are the kids that are going to do better in life in everything they do because everything comes back to relationships. Unless your job is to be a monk in a monastery where nobody speaks to each other and you're the only monk there. Otherwise, it's going to apply. I saw one of those two weeks ago. Fascinating. (laughs) Well, if he was the only one there, how did you see it? No, no, no. I saw the monastery, (laughs) which was built into a desert cliff. Like these people did not want to be around anyone. But even then, you're not really doing what we're created for. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are created to be in relationship, to be with people and all of that. And so, that's what this is about. Yeah, absolutely. So we better get to the spiritual. Yeah, we better get to the spiritual. So the final part of the pies is that spiritual attraction. You've already said that doesn't necessarily mean religion. Not necessarily. So what does it mean? It has to do with beliefs and values. Your beliefs are those things that you hold to be true. Values are how you expect people to behave. Another word for values could be morals. Okay, So we tend to find people attractive if their belief system is similar to ours and therefore their value system is similar to ours. That's why people, um, conservative people, tend to marry conservative people. That's why people that are more liberal in their views of things tend to marry people who are more liberal in their views. It's why people tend to marry somebody of a similar religion. Now, understand in America, a Baptist and a Methodist, we considered similar religion. Um, instead of, you know, like a, well, like a Catholic and a Muslim would be then considered different religions. But, but people spiritually are attracted to people that they feel have similar beliefs and values. Because, oh, well, or, or that they perceive that the other person actually has superior beliefs and values. Like, I like your beliefs and values better than mine. So, so what does that mean? It means you need to really understand what your beliefs and values are. What is it that I really believe? And therefore, what is it that I expect people to do, expect people to live? How do I expect people to live? And then live by that as best you can. Now, you won't be perfect at it. Nobody is, but as best you can. Because what becomes unattractive here are people who espouse one belief and value system but live by a different one. Mm-hmm. We don't find those people attractive at all. We tend to call them hypocrites. We tend to call them liars. We tend to call them fakes. In other words, it's about being genuine, Mm. which means I need to know what I believe. I need to know what I value. And that's how I need to try to live. Because if that's what I say, but then I'm living in a way that's completely contradictory to that, 
um, people can look at me and say, I don't trust you at all. And if they're attracted to this belief and value system, they're going to be pushed away from you when they discover that you actually live by a different belief and value system. Mm -hmm. Now, you might be thinking, well, what about other people who are doing the same things I'm doing? Well, if they see through your belief and value system, they still might be attracted to you. Or they may be attracted to you until they find out that you espouse a belief and value system. They don't. Then, they'll leave. then even though you live like they live, they'll tend to push you away or be pushed away from you. Like, like, yeah, we live the same way, but I don't like what you believe. I don't like when you say you believe this, that, no, that's, in, that's inconsistent. That's not what I believe. And so basically what we're saying under spiritual values, be real, be genuine. Now, it doesn't mean you can't change your beliefs and value systems. If you learn new things, your beliefs can change. Your morals, your values can change. But understand that if you're single and you're looking for a relationship, look for people who have very similar beliefs and values to yours. It avoids all kinds of problems in the future or people that you might perceive as having better beliefs and values to yours. If, if you're single, seriously, you should be examining that as part of whether this relationship should continue when you start one. If you're married and you do have similar, both of you should live about it, uh, live by it, maybe even grow. If you're married and in trouble, it's especially important that you continue to live by your beliefs and value system. But you say, what if my spouse has changed and, and the belief and value system he or she is living by now is very different than mine? Don't, shouldn't I just change mine to be like them? If it's an honest change, I guess it could work, but typically that's not as an honest change. It's like you do that, kind of manipulate them to get back, then you go back up here again, and they're like, hmm. No, you should be consistent with your beliefs and values. If you've got questions about them, dig into it. If, if you're part of a religion, talk to one of your religious people, your minister, your rabbi, your priest, uh, uh, whatever, whoever he or she may be to help you understand that. But this is an important part of life as well. And in the long term, beliefs and values matter. Now, again, if you're looking just at physical because you want to pick up somebody at the bar, you may not care. But in the long term, you really want somebody that you are compatible with when it comes to the things you hold to be true and the way you believe people should live. Mm -hmm. That's so good. So good. So of this whole thing, of the pies, physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, what would you encourage people to be their next step now that they know all of this? Well, the one that people can get quickest, I mean, they just grasp it is start taking care of your body better. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, change your diet, start your exercise, do those things. I mean, we hear so much about that on television, etc. that you can get this diet, you can go to that gym, you can do all that kind of stuff. Well, based on your age and situation in life, do what's best that you can do for your body physically, whatever age you are. I've been myself working on this in the last several weeks. I've lost quite a bit of weight. I'm getting in better shape than I've ever been in my life. Still got a long ways to go, but I'm headed there because I decided maybe I should do what I teach other people to do. <laughs> Physically is easy, but if you are in a relationship and the other person has some area that they really like to talk about, they really like to think about, learning about that can be a good thing. Mm -hmm. But do it to benefit you. In other words, don't do it if it's just absolutely atrocious, like I just can't do that. Okay, then don't. But if you can, then find out what it is he or she's interested. You already know what it is. Start working on learning more about that. That becomes more intellectually attractive. If you're single, just pick whatever's important to you, but learn. Don't, don't ever become stagnant and vegetate. Emotionally, start today, right now. 
You don't have to wait for the gym membership. The next person you come in contact with before you say a word, before you do a thing, think, what will evoke positive emotions within this person? Often it just starts with a smile. A genuine smile, a real smile can evoke positive emotions within the other person. And then when they speak, what thing can I say? I've been trying to practice that myself lately as well. I was in a Cracker Barrel yesterday with some people coming out. There was a guy walked in with this big old giant cowboy hat. And you could tell he was proud of that big old cowboy hat. And so as he walked by me, I just said, hey, fella, great hat. I really like your hat. Did I have to say anything to him? No. Why did I do it? I'm trying to learn how to become more emotionally attractive to other people by genuinely doing what it takes to evoke positive emotions within them. Not to manipulate them, but because I care about people. What about you? Well, then, as Kimberly already said, it's still easier to do it with a stranger than your spouse. But that's who counts really a lot, maybe even most. With your children, it really counts. So start the emotional today. Then when it comes to the spiritual, Maybe you should start writing down what you believe. Just literally. These are the things I believe. And then go back and rate them. Do I really believe that? Or do I just say I believe that because I've always been taught to believe that? Start learning about yourself. And there's some great things to start learning about you there, about what you really believe, and then how that affects the way you live and the way you think people should live. So the one immediately, right now, emotionally. But you can do all of them. Absolutely. Emotional emotional is so important, but they're all important in a bigger scheme. But don't let this look like a big mountain. You've just gotten a lot of information and you might be thinking, oh my goodness, I need to do everything differently. I don't even know where to start. This seems like too big of a task to even approach right now. Don't let it happen to you like that. Start with that one, with mm -hmm. the emotional and just say, today, here's something I'm going to do differently. I'm just going to ask that question today. How is this going to affect the person I'm about to say it to? And just do that today. And then tomorrow, maybe you add one more thing. Maybe next week you start going on a walk every morning. Right. There you it go. is a gradual. Yeah. Gradual. It doesn't have to happen overnight. It's not it going to happen. happen no. overnight. Not going to happen overnight at all. Um, it, sometimes it can take a long time for people to get to that physical part. They start with the emotional. They know they need to change a lot in their diet and in the, uh, you know, in exercise and things like that. But as long as you're consistently taking steps forward, you don't want to be going backwards. So just keep going forward and you can do it. These are things that you can do and start implementing immediately. That's it correct. Absolutely makes a huge, 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 huge change. Actually, I asked some people who have used the pies to just give a quick example of how using the pies have helped them. And this is one couple who, when they came to us, it, I mean, he was in love with another person. Their marriage was absolutely on the brink of divorce. And here's where they are now. And a huge part of this was from the pies. So the husband said, um, <laughs> when you walk in the house looking to leave and your wife is looking so fine, you think twice. We invented some adult-oriented renditions of chess that turned out to be very fun. My wife also decided to take interest in sports. She knows the players on the opposing teams now. It's amazing to watch with her and not alone like I did for five years. The wife said, pies have helped me focus. When you focus on stuff you can control, it leaves less room to worry about the things you can't. I'm at my ideal weight. 
I've learned so many things that I've always wanted to, like sports and piano. And I have also learned to control my emotions, which helps in all of my relationships and as a leader in the corporate world. That's awesome. Yep. These things make a huge difference. So do what you can today. Start doing something. Move forward and know that you can do this. Yep. And pies are, it's just a simple way to understand tons and tons of complex research out there. That's why I copyrighted that thing years ago. Pies is just so simple and it makes it work. And yeah. you can do it. Yep. You definitely can do it. Absolutely. Well, it's great being with you this Monday. We'll see you again next Monday. And until then, work on your pies. Share with us how you've been working on your pies. Yeah. And we look forward to seeing the improvements and the amazing results that happen from that. Yes. Have a great week or a great week. Yeah. <laughs>